green season, the liturgical season that follows Pentecost, some people refer to it as the season of Pentecost, some refer to it as the season after Pentecost, some refer to it as the season after Trinity Sunday, but I don't really care about all that. What I really care about is the fact that it's green, which is an indication to us that this is the time when we're to be taking all the things that the Lord's been teaching us through the liturgical year, starting with Advent and our anticipation of the coming of the Messiah, Christmas, Epiphany, Lent, Easter, Pentecost, right? The Ascension, the Trinity Sunday, all the holidays, that, all the feast days that we celebrate in the church, all these, these truths that we remind ourselves are during this summer season, which kind of begins, you know, uh, after Pentecost, and in through the fall and even all the way up until Thanksgiving, is meant to be the green season where we, where we grow in our relationship with the Lord. Not that we're not growing in those special times, those, those high feast days and special seasons of the, of the year, but particularly I, feel, I find that the lectionary readings are intended for us to grow during the summer, which is, at least as far as I'm concerned, the reason why we have green. So the question is this morning, are you growing this summer in your walk with the Lord? I asked David to do that first song because it reminds us that oftentimes in the summer we're out more and we're out in the beauty of creation and all of God's creation praises the Lord. Are we growing in our ability to praise and honor the Lord through our lives this, this summer? Well, I can tell you it's been a most interesting summer for me, not just because it has rained more than I can ever remember it's rained. My poor golf course is totally underwater. But that's just beside the point. There's lots of other things that have been going on this summer that the Lord has been using to make this a summer of growth for me. They all begin with the H. First, my hiking trip was a complete bust. I can't say more about it, but it was a bust, okay? I did not get to hike like I wanted to. I went to 4th of July to be with my family, which is what we always do, and my dear, lovely saint mother fell chasing after little Cooper and broke her hip. Three pins and a week of recovery, now she's home. So hip, hike, hip. And then of course the hurricane, right? The non-hurricane hurricane that dumped five inches of water on us all and made Jody and I have to go all the way around to get to the Heitman's house that carried them food last night. Hike, hip, and hurricanes. What a summer. And yet the Lord wants to use this time to, to grow me, to, to give me introspection, to begin to continue to, to teach me the things he wants to do, to, to retool me for a new season of ministry. And I really want all of us to think in terms of a, a new day, a new season of ministry. Tonight we're going to have a lament service to recognize all the loss over the last 18 months. And it's been tremendous. And we're going to grieve and we're going to lament. We're moving towards a new day. Amen? And the Lord wants to retool us, and I believe he wants to retool me. I think that the things that have gotten me to this point will not necessarily help me get to the next point. And I plan to do ministry a long time. And so I want God to retool me, to not let me stagnate, continue to teach me things that I might grow in this next season of ministry. Well, what in the world does that have to do with our gospel passage this morning? And gosh, we could talk about all those passages, but this morning, let's just focus on those few verses that were given in Mark's gospel about Jesus. 
Jesus has spent the first five chapters proclaiming the kingdom of God, the repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. That's both the message of John the Baptist, who precedes Jesus, and Jesus. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. A kingdom is breaking into this world. And I said to you a few weeks ago, the kingdom of God is where Jesus is adored and, and obeyed. Bottom line, that's what we know the kingdom to be. It's where Jesus is obeyed and adored. And, and that results in the shalom of God, the peace of God. It results in righteous behavior. And it results in justice being done. These are the things that, that, that are a part of the Old Testament idea of God's kingdom. And Jesus enforces those things and reinforces those things and tells us that this is what the kingdom of God is like. And so Jesus comes in the first five chapters of Mark's gospel and he is proclaiming the kingdom. He is raising the dead. He is, he is right, remember the Jairus' daughter? He is, he is healing lepers. He is casting out demons out of the demoniac. He is walking on the water. He is feeding masses of people. He is demonstrating the power and the glory of the kingdom of God. And then we get to chapter 6, which Michael preached on last week. Uh, actually, he didn't preach on it, but he read the gospel passage. He preached on the, uh, the epistle. But, but he read this passage in, in chapter 6 where Jesus goes back to his hometown and he's completely rejected. And we're told that he can do very few miracles because of their lack of faith. You know, no prophet is without honor except in his own hometown, you know. When people remember you from when you were a little kid and, you know, the things you did and how you acted. And they can't get past who you were to see who you are now. And Jesus is stunned by their lack of faith. Does not seem like the very best time to send out his apprentices, his young disciples, who've frankly, not given us a lot to be excited about so far in the Gospel of Mark. But he sends them out on this trial mission to go out, and he commissions them to give them authority to, over unclean spirits and to proclaim repentance, to heal, and to cast out demons. Now, this does not seem like a good time, but yet Jesus does it. And I will tell you that it seems like in my life at least, and I think this is true for most disciples, the Lord always sends us out when we're not ready. One of my frustrations as a pastor, I have a few, but one of them is that people always feel like, well, I need a little more training and a little more experience. And explain exactly what you want me to do again and then I'll, then I'll go do it. But the reality is that we always want we want to be more ready than we are, and yet the Lord always sends us out when we're not ready. I'll tell you a little bit more about that if I get that far in my sermon today. But, but let me tell you, that's been my experience. Unless you lose the application of this sermon, I want you to hear it up front. So I'm going to say it out of order here. The application is that even though we're talking about the disciples being sent out, we're also talking about us being sent out. All of us who would be followers, apprentices, disciples, whatever word you want to use, of Jesus are sent. Now that sent may look different for you. For these disciples, it was to the little villages around Galilee where Jesus had been ministering. It's important to know that. Jesus had already been to a lot of these places. He was now sending them. He didn't send them to the big cities. He didn't send them to Jerusalem. 
He sent them to the villages around. He wanted them to go out and, and minister to people for whom they had some contact. They were at least uh, culturally connected because they were all Galileans. He sends us out to different places. And it's going to be up to you and all of us together to discern what particular place you're being sent to. The who and the where and the how. It may simply be to work. It may simply be to Publix, if you can get there with the roads closed and the, and the waters up rising. It may be to, to church. It may be to a local ministry with inner varsity or young life or Christians concern for the community. It may be working with the homeless downtown. The Lord will show you particularly what it is that he's sending you to. But the Lord sends us all and get this, he sends us before we feel like we're ready. Always. It's part of his work in us. You see, because when you don't feel as if you're ready, you're in a place of dependency. And if there's one thing that I feel like that is so easily we fall into, this trap, is that as we begin to have success in ministries, we begin to mature in Christ, we begin to be more and more comfortable with wherever we are, and it causes us to be less dependent. We're more dependent on ourselves, and we're less dependent upon the Lord, which is why the Lord always sends me to Camp Araminta every summer. Because if there's anything I feel insecure about, it's being with 150 kids and a few adults and, and we're trying to bring the gospel to the masses and it can sometimes feel a little bit like craziness. But the dependence of peace is important. But look at what the Lord says. Let me, let me reread it. It's so short. Let me just reread to you a couple of the verses here. He says, he gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing on their journey except the staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts. But to wear sandals and to put on, on, but not to put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if that place will not receive you, that they will not listen to you. And they will not listen to you. When you leave, shake off the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. The Lord call, gives them authority. He gives us his authority. That's what the Great Commission, the end of Matthew's Gospel is all again. He gives us authority over unclean spirits to speak into these situations, to bring the kingdom, to bring the, the power of the, the name of Jesus into these situations. To proclaim repentance. What's not made very clear there, but is, but is implicit in the statement is to proclaim what? The kingdom of God. To proclaim the kingdom of God in the midst of it. To proclaim the peace of shalom of God. To proclaim the righteousness that we can, we can amend our lives. You see, my introspection summer is not about just me trying to self-improve. It's about being before the Lord and saying, Lord, Show me who I am and teach me a greater dependence upon you. And Lord, show me how I can cooperate with you in the building of your kingdom. And that's what we get to proclaim to the world. Not just you're bad and you need to stop being bad. That's the way the gospel is, is watered down and distorted. It's, it's the kingdom. It's what Christ comes to do. The, the life abundant that he comes to offer to us. Proclaim 
repentance. Yes, it will mean that we have to change our hearts and minds about how the world operates and who is in control of the world and to reorient ourselves. The kingdom of God does not come in mass movements. It comes in individual hearts and minds, turning away from our self-centered life to a life of dependence and focus on Jesus. And that's what we proclaim, just like the disciples. And we get to cast things out of people. We get to call them out of darkness, out of bondage, out of, out of things that, that have captured their hearts and minds and, and habits that have, that have surrounded them. And we get to bring the good news of Jesus that in Christ they can be set free. And this morning I could tell you, I could stand here for an hour and tell you stories of hearts and minds that have been set free from fear, from prejudice, from poverty, from mental illness, from physical disabilities, from a life of, of, of consumption of material things to a, to a life filled with the, the giving of ourselves to the Lord's purposes, on and on and on I could do. We get to proclaim this to people. And healing. God is not always healed, but boy, he has healed so many people just in this body. And again, we could go on and on and on with the number of people that God has physically healed the way he's sustained life, the way he's, he's brought new life to people and, and on and on and on we could go. And, and don't miss that they're to anoint with oil. I do believe that we're to anoint when we pray for healing. I think it's an important part of, of anointing. Uh, but I also believe that the anointing has something to do with the anointing, the oil of gladness, the psalmist says, the anointing of the kingdom. To remind us, which is why we anoint our children when we baptize them and adults when we baptize them, that you're now a part of the kingdom of God. The power and the glory of God coming into this world, bringing shalom and righteousness and justice. And no, we can't yet perfectly see it, but you're a sign of that. That's what we do at baptism. Can I get an amen? You guys awake this morning? Now, I have no problem with verse 10. Verse 10 is easy. Wherever house you go to, then be with the people that you're sent. That, that part's easy for me. I, I understand. Work with the people you've been given. And boy, boy, was I blessed almost 20 years ago now where I, I walked into St. Michael's and found that, you know, like, a, like an old car that just needed a little bit of tune-up. But there were some amazing people there that God had brought me to. Some of them are in the room. I see them around here. And, and, and God... Gets, I, I get it. I, work with the people God sent you. And, and the idea was that they were not to carry a lot of extra stuff, right? So they couldn't depend upon, they couldn't just take the second tunic and use it as a sleeping bag, right? They, they couldn't just go out someplace under a tree and spend the night. They had, they've only had one tunic, so they had to go find shelter. That meant they had to go to someone's house and they had to find somebody that would take them in and let them have hospitality. And, and Jesus is saying, wherever, wherever I send you, if somebody receives you, work with that person. I get that. Some of, for some of you, that's hard. You'd like to pick a new partner, I understand, or a new home, but, but that's okay. But, but I, I get that part. That part's easy. What's hard for me is the second part. When Jesus says that if they will not hear you, receive you, or they will not listen to you, then you're to shake the dust off their, your sandals as a testimony against them. I mean, you can imagine how powerful it would be if, you, if I took off my sandals and I was like, I shake the dust off my sandals, you guys. And then I was to head out the back door. Man, that would be like dramatic, right? 
If I ever do that, boy, that would be really dramatic. Well, in the, in the, in the rabbinic tradition, they were required to do that. The, 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 the rabbis taught that you did that because it was a sign that you didn't want to carry anything impure into a Jewish area. So they would shake all the dust off when they had left the Gentile area, and then they'd enter into, into Israel's territory. They didn't want to bring anything unclean, unholy into the holy space of God, and, and uh, particularly the holy city. They would shake all the dust off. And, but, but here is Jesus saying, if they will not receive you and will not listen to you, then you're to shake the dust off their feet. But he's talking about Jewish people. And Jesus is saying there's some who, who think they're a part of the people of God who will not hear the kingdom who will resist the kingdom and its values and the king. And if you do find that out, and you will, I think Jesus is saying, you got to shake the dust off and you got to move on. And that's what's hard for me because I, I, I love lost causes. I love to, I love, you know, underdogs. I love to see people who who are, seem very resistant to the gospel, come to faith in the gospel. I, I long to see those stories. Not that, I, not that the, low bearing, the, the low fruit is not wonderful as well, but, but the people who just seem so resistant, I love to see that happen. And that happens sometimes, but doesn't always happen. And it's hard when you see people, and we've even seen it within the body here, people that have just, they've heard the kingdom, they've heard about Jesus, they've heard the gospel, and they just will not bend. Or maybe they heard it, but now they've walked away. It's heartbreaking for me. It's so hard for me to hear. And, and yet Jesus says that. Now, now, we don't know the last chapter of many people's lives. And, and so there are times where people will resist for a long time. And then come into the kingdom. My grandfather was in his late 70s when he accepted Christ. Walked the aisle of his church. There are people who, who resist for a long time and come in, but there are some who will resist. That's hard for me to read. It's definitely hard for me to, to, uh, to accept. But Jesus is requiring the disciples and us as disciples to be willing to let people go and to move on and proclaim the gospel in other places. Because for everyone who resists and refuses the gospel, there are others who will receive it. And there are many stories I could tell. And, and the disciples come back. I mean, you know, we, we, they haven't come back yet, but we, we read uh, in verses 12 and 13 that many who were sick were healed and many demons were cast out. So there was anointing and there was casting out of demons and there was healing and so there is some that receive some that come in some that take part and I again I'm talking about all those things I said before lives that have been transformed health lost causes intellectual hurdles all sorts of ways that people have come to the faith when you would have thought they wouldn't well how do we do this how do we own Jesus' call to be sent out. How do we do that? Well, first of all, take note that Jesus sends them out two by two. He doesn't send them out alone. Now, I, I'm a member of the Gainesville Health and Fitness 
for a lot of reasons, but one of those reasons is because they will go, I can set the line and I can do all my workout without anybody. I, I, I love to work out with somebody else, but people are just too unreliable, right? And you got to coordinate your schedule with somebody else and you got to be there at the same time and then they got to spot you and spot them and what if they get sick and all that stuff. So it's just easy for me to work out by myself. I get it. But the Lord sends them out two by two. Now, why does he do that? Because he's saying we need each other. If you read Ephesians 1, which was read for us a few minutes ago, as an individual call, then you've missed Ephesians 1. Because Ephesians 1 is Paul writing to the church, to us as Christians, plural, not to a single Christian. You know, if you spend all this time, as I used to do, trying to figure out how I've been blessed with every blessing in the heavenly places, I haven't been blessed with every blessing. We have been blessed in the heavenly places with every blessing. We need each other. And when I'm honest, my most effective ministry has always been done in partnership, which is why I'm grateful that dragging Michael off to Camp Araminta with me to deal with the fourth, fifth, and sixth graders because two is better than one. We can watch each other's back with those little guys, those little crumb crunchers and whatever they've got planned for us. We know we got planned for them. Two by two, oftentimes Jody and I do ministry together. If you're a married person, oftentimes that may be somebody that, but not always. And if you're single, there are other people the Lord wants to use you with in, in teams to do ministry, to do more effective ministry to uplift each other, to hold each other up and, and to continue to bless each other. I, I, I trust you find someone. So excited here. Beth back there, Beth Kirby, I've known for so long. Beth and, and Paige Curry, who's another one of our, our, our um, camp staff, uh, they pray together, prayer warriors. They, they get on the phone, I guess they get on the phone and, and pray for each other and, and lift up different needs and uh, our Katie is going heading off on the agape year. She's going to have a, another person. They weren't, they're going to send her alone, right? That person didn't back out. <laughs> not yet, not yet. Okay, so they're sending them out two by two because we need others to work with us to, to build each other up. Don't try to answer this call alone. If you're in a workplace where there seems to be no Christians, pray the Lord would send you someone to be a Christian friend. A ministry partner that you might proclaim the kingdom in that place. A fellow teacher or a, a fellow worker or someone who can be with you in that. See the, the, the partnership that Jesus creates. Secondly, understand that Jesus wants us to be dependent upon him. So don't think that you're ready. You're not. But that's part of his plan. When I was um, in high school, my youth pastor took a job at a big church down in Braden, Bradenton, Braden, Florida, Brandon, Florida, and left us. And the college kids who were my older peers said, well, Alex, we're going back to college. Um, you need to start a Bible study, start doing something because we don't have a youth pastor. That's, that's my introduction to youth ministry right there. It's like, oh, okay, I guess I'll start, a, I'll start a Bible study. So, you know, I was a junior in high school, knew not what I was doing. So was invited to go and do a youth retreat for a group of kids. Do you think anybody said, this is how you do a Bible study? This is how you, no, nothing. You think they gave me any response, any feedback? Zero. It's like, well, did I do good or did I do bad? I have no idea. 
go to college. They send me to Germany for two summers to do youth ministry. I kid you not, I get there and they go, um, well, our pastor uh, resigned and went back to the States. This was in Frankfurt, Germany. He said, but we didn't want to tell the mission board because we knew they wouldn't send us to summer missionary. Well, yeah, because you're not supposed to be here all by yourself. So it's, but we wanted you to come. So here you go. You're the only staff person in the church. Good luck. Are you kidding me? Yes, this is the, this, and, and I'm, I'm telling you guys, this is not just because I'm now a pastor. This, this is the way the Lord works. He, he gets us in over our heads, and then he teaches us to depend upon him. And then when he does something incredible, we know it's him and not us. And that's the kingdom. You see, you got to remember, this is, this is not our work. This is the Lord's work. He's bringing the kingdom. The kingdom is coming. You know, C.S. Lewis, Aslan is on the move. We are just privileged to be able to be a part of it. But when we come at it with our independence, like, okay, i got to solve this all by myself, we miss the idea that it's the Lord's already there, and then he's calling us to work with others to help him accomplish the way he wants to bring the kingdom. In whatever space and place. He sent the two. He taught them dependence. One last thing. It's interesting because the, the, his description, you know, basically they're, they're allowed to carry four things. Their, their one tunic, their sandals, their, their belt is implied because they can't put money in their belt. But they, they can wear their belt and take their staff. If you go back to Exodus 12, guess what? Those are the four things that God instructs the children of Israel to carry with them when they leave Egypt. Belt, staff, tunic, sandals. Jesus saying, it's on. The kingdom. I'm taking you out of Egypt. I'm bringing you to the promised land. This is the, this is the kingdom coming, but you need to learn dependence upon me and step out. And lastly, don't lose sight that it is the kingdom of God that we're proclaiming. We're proclaiming Jesus' kingdom. We're calling people to healing and wholeness. And if people were vulnerable and real with us, they would say, yeah, there are things that I want to change. Things I'm even afraid to look at. And Jesus has come to help them look at those things. When Jesus says, be perfect as I am perfect, he is saying, be whole as I am whole. And he's calling us into a wholeness, into a health, into a joy and a peace that we cannot know apart from him. And he wants it for every man and woman, boy and girl. We're proclaiming the kingdom, a place where shalom and righteousness and justice are done. Are we going to see it perfectly this sort of eternity? No, but we can see it coming. We can be signposts. We can work towards that. And we can see it become reality in people's lives. Now, one last bit of hard news before I, I end. I, I have to tell you this. I, I said a couple weeks ago when I preached, Mark loves these Markin sandwiches, right? Where he, remember he talks about Jairus, then he talks about the woman with a flow of blood, and then he comes back to Jairus with the healing. Well, there's another Markin sandwich. 
or Markian sandwich here, but it's a, it's a tougher sandwich to swallow because it's, it's the disciples being sent out and then disciples come back in verse 30, but in between is the martyrdom of John the Baptist. Now what in the world do you think Mark is trying to communicate? We are not guaranteed success. Yes, we are sent out to proclaim the kingdom. And the kingdom is coming, but we are not individually or as to guaranteed success. We may not see it. Willie Nelson said, Our hero, my heroes have always been cowboys. Our heroes have always been martyrs. Jesus, Paul, <laughs> go down the line. We may not be successful, and it may even be worse. If you want to know why people give up, even Christian people give up proclaiming the kingdom of God, it's because it can get you killed. People would much rather have a tame, smoothed out, less obtrusive and challenging gospel, and yet it is the kingdom of God that we're proclaiming. So I think Mark puts John's martyrdom right between the sending of the disciples and the return of the disciples to remind us that this stuff can get tough and we're not guaranteed success and yet for those of us that take Jesus's challenge and allow him to send us out whether it's to just to work and to church and home wherever it is, but to go as sent ones, we get to see the kingdom coming. I want to end just real quick with a story. I, there was a student um, who came to UF. Her name was Jashari. Uh, she's been away from here for a few years now. Blair knows her. Jashari was a high school student at uh, uh, the preparatory school up in Jacksonville, really smart girl, lost her father tragically in high school of Indian descent. She had lived in the United States all of her life, though, of course, but um, family was not Christians. They weren't even really Hindu. They were just sort of atheist. Came as a troubled college freshman to the University of Florida and found a group of Young Life college students who began to love and minister to her and to speak the gospel of the kingdom into her life. And Dashari, despite all odds, accepted Jesus and became a follower of his. Became active in Young Life and eventually found Servants of Christ as a church home where she found a family where she could grow in her faith and she could begin to, to learn from Christians who were not just her peers but people who were older and, and had walked in the, with the Lord longer and this became a, a place of real joy for her. And the Lord called her on to staff at Young Life and she accepted that call and went up to Forsyth Georgia, which is about the whitest place in the entire world, suburban. She was the only person of color in this entire county, I'm convinced. Um, but she called me a couple weeks ago, and she let me know that the Lord has now moved her on to become what is called an area director, which is a, a place of higher leadership in uh, Gwinnett County, which is actually a place that I lived as a little boy. And Gwinnett is 
very different from Forsyth <laughs> and has all sorts of ethnic challenges and diversity challenges and urban challenges and crime and the churches are sort of wringing their hands with what to do and Young Life is not in a good place in that county and yet Deshari, this young woman has been called to be salt and light to proclaim the kingdom in Gwinnett County, Georgia. You see, that's the kingdom. That's what it looks like. And if I have to, to be rejected by countless people and strive to find out, Lord, what are you doing in Gainesville? If I get to see the fruit of the kingdom coming, it's worth it. Sorry, Dish sends her love, by the way. She called me and she said, Alex, she said, I, she said, I needed to hear your excitement. I said, I am so excited you're in Gwinnett County. You're going to do amazing things. This is around Stone Mountain, Georgia, if you know. And I said, you're going to do amazing things, Dish. This is the kingdom. Now, some of you are not ready to be sent. I get it. I was there once. Some of you, have, you've been sent so long, you're out there so far, you're like, this is just remedial for you. Maybe, hopefully, you're just encouraged about the work of the kingdom. But, but for some of you today, this is the day that you want to truly say, I'm ready to grow. I'm ready to be sent. And let that be your commitment today. And let that be your, your, your commitment. And then tell someone. That yet today I want, to, I want to be sent. I want to be more open to how the Lord wants to use me to communicate his kingdom than ever before. I want to see people like Dish experience the kingdom and then become leaders in the kingdom. Let this be your day. Let this be your summer of growth. In Jesus' name, amen.